छात्र अमिस्त्रोबीन हजार Okay, I'm drawing a line in the fucking sand here. Do not read the Latin. Hi, welcome to Don't Read the Latin. I'm Jennifer Lovely. I'm Rias Hall. So, Rias, what have you been watching lately? Uh, let's see. Lately... Because it is June here in the United States. <laughs> like we have international. We, mm-hmm. Listeners it from It is everywhere. a gay pride month. Oh. And so I watched a couple of documentaries today, just this afternoon. I watched one called Screaming Queens, which is the riot at Compton's Cafeteria. And that is about the first time that uh, LGBTQ people came together as a group to riot against police. It happened a few years before Stonewall, but it didn't get as much press. But it did eventually end up changing the laws in the city they were in, which was San Francisco. Um, So it was really good. The the woman that made the documentary is a trans woman and queer historian. And so there was a lot of stories in there that I'd never heard before from people that were there, from people who were just living their lives and being arrested for impersonating a woman when actually, as far as they were concerned, they were a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and the name of it one more time? Uh, Screaming Queens, The Riot at Compton's Cafeteria. It's Fantastic. on Amazon. It's Amazon Prime. It's like an hour long. I really liked it. It was a good, well-put-together documentary. And then after that, I watched Drag Becomes Him, which is the documentary about Jinx Monsoon. Yeah. That incidentally has so many people I know in it that Mm -hmm. I can't believe I do not know Jarek Hoffer. (laughs) (laughs) So that was fun because every once in a while, I'd be watching it and enjoying it. And then I'd be like, oh, look, it's Jackie Hill. Hi. (laughs) I know because they actually filmed it here in Seattle. Right. Because the show that I've been performing in Bacon Strip is the show that Jinx came from. Oh, my goodness. That she was doing for a year. (laughs) So, yeah. So that was kind of fun. I was like, oh, I wish I'd have gone to all those bacon strips instead of being at home being panic at- having a panic attack every week. <laughs> yeah, I watched that about a year ago. Yeah, um, it was really fun. Yeah, it is. Um, in non-documentary film, I watched uh, Monster Squad, a kids horror movie, which is beloved by many. And man, did I hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually going to be showing it to Tekla this year because it's a favorite of mine. I was like, I felt like I was just the right age when it came out. You may have been, but you probably want to rewatch it before you show it to her. Because I did not like it. I felt like having a guy who's a concentration camp survivor in it for no reason. Other than that he can say the line, I have seen monsters. I felt like that was kind of, I don't know. The Frankenstein monster does not equal Hitler. I, I get a lot more enjoyment from the movie, but that's okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't like it. Um, maybe if I'd seen it when I was young and had fond exactly. memories of it, I might. years old and you're the same age as all the little kid but man, this kid's got to swear a lot in a PG didn't movie. Didn't they, though? Those were the oh, days. Oh, the 80s. <laughs> um, the movies that I have really loved the most that I've watched lately are a Russian film called I Am Dragon which is also on Amazon Prime. And I'd seen some people talking about it on a website, and I was like, I wonder if this is any good. And it is so good. It's just this beautiful fairy tale about this village in Russia where they have a ceremony where all the most beautiful maidens in the village are put into boats and pushed out on this icy lake, and then the dragon comes and takes one of them. But then a dragon slayer shows up. And this is before the opening credits. This is the prequel. A dragon slayer shows up and kills the dragon. And so now it's a wedding ceremony where the bride is pushed out onto a lake. Okay. And pulled across the lake by her intended. Hmm. Except when this one young girl is being married, a dragon shows up and takes her. And then it's her story of her and the dragon and her husband or her intended husband coming to find her. And it's beautiful and lovely, and it's cinem- cinematography. Yeah. 
I can say that word. The cinematography is gorgeous and lush, and it was everything I wanted from a fairy tale movie. Um, there's nothing. It's fine for kids. There's nothing R-rated in it. It's Russian. Uh, let's see. <laughs> I was really pleased because um, uh, I watched Catty, uh, uh, which is a, I believe, Turkish documentary about oh um, kitties those kitties yeah, yeah. it's and, about uh, the cats and how everyone loves them yeah and i watched it with tecla and um she loved it it was kind of low dialogue yeah you know more so than like a lot of like story yeah it doesn't have a huge number of subtitles yeah and it's but good she really enjoyed it and she yeah it's really good yeah it was a while ago, but, I, but no, I definitely oh, and want we to both show saw her Rocket stuff. Man. Oh my God, Rocket Man! I see. I saw it twice. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and I, so I didn't cry as much on the second viewing, but I found it just as beautiful. And it's just—it's such a fast movie. It's a fast movie. It goes quickly. If you don't like Elton John songs, don't go see it. Because you're not going to love it. But if you don't like Elton John songs, who are you? Exactly. <laughs> and I think it pays a lot of respect to his life and his choices and the people that he's had in it. And of course, there are going to be band members that aren't given the attention. Yeah, that you're they not going to see be. the guys in the band. It's not about the background dudes. It is. It is a fairy it's... tale retelling of his life, told in beautiful music numbers. Yeah. And, and, uh, and of his relationship with Bernie Taupin, who is, yep. which is a beautiful center to the story. I know. And, and it's, they're so infrequent that they tell stories of real friendship like that, especially between men. Right. That, so. That they're not boyfriends. Bernie is not gay. Nope. They are just friends that become family. Uh-huh. And that's a wonderful, wonderful part of their story. There's a beautiful scene in the movie where... Elton John is having breakfast and Bernie Taupin hands him the lyrics to Song for You and, and he goes just to goes shave. To piano. And when he comes back down, the song is written. And I was reading an interview with Bernie Taupin where he's like, yeah, Elton thought that song was for me about him for a while. No, I just wrote that. I just wrote it at the coffee table one morning. <laughs> but, it's, but he was like, it's at that moment beautiful. in his life, he thought that that song, and in a way it is. Yeah. But not in the romantic sense. Yeah. And I thought that was really sweet. Yeah. And it's really funny because it, it really put me in the mood to listen to, you know, all of my albums, my mm-hmm. John albums. And I was kind of resisting listening to um, the soundtrack that they've done with all the songs sung by, is it uh, Tegan? No, it's a... Uh, Taryn Edgerton. Yes. But you know what? After the second watching, like I, I love was like, listening no, to Elton John. He does a really good job, and he, he really does. interprets those songs. And it's really great that Elton John gave him the freedom to interpret them. Exactly. He's like, Look, if you need to change this for dramatic reasons, go for it. Yeah. And there's a few places where he does do the songs differently because it's for the movie and it's to set a certain mood. And he, they it's did fantastic. a great job with it. Yeah. It, a lot of movies where people are singing, they use a lot of auto-tune, and I did not hear that in this movie. Yeah. Usually it hits me hits me Ugh. in the ear and it just knocks me right out of the movie if I hear a lot of auto-tune and I didn't hear any. No. Yeah, I really, if it, if we it's both used... really loved that movie. It's not a horror movie. Nope. <laughs> did you have anything else that uh, is springing to mind? Nothing. I mean, I watched Deadpool 2. I watched uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. I liked both of them, but they're not spectacular. Yeah. How did you Deadpool feel about... Deadpool 2, I liked... Yeah. Because it was very much like Deadpool 1. It was nothing unexpected or new. But sometimes you're not always in the mood to parse a completely new movie. And you just want something dumb and light. And mm-hmm. it's perfect for that. It's funny because uh, Jim and I don't even I don't even have it in my notes. But I know I've watched it since the last time we recorded. Yeah. We watched uh, Once Upon a Deadpool. Which is the... He does like... <laughs> A Princess Bride recording of it where he is telling the story of Deadpool 2 to oh. Fred Savage from The Wonder Years. Oh, that's cute. Is it like a and short film or is it a whole it, movie? They take a lot out of the movie. It's kind of like the general thing. And then I also, they take it down to PG-13. And so... Yeah. Um, and it calls out a lot of like the problematic bits with the story. Like Fred Savage actually stops him and goes, you fridged her. You fridged your girlfriend. <laughs> I know. That's what I said. I almost walked out because we were watching it in the living room. Yep. 
And that happened, and I was like, I can't oh, believe man. they fridged her before the credits. Yeah. And then the credits are all joke names about how we can't believe, you can't believe we killed her. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so um, it was... Go yeah. ahead. So it did make fun of the problematic parts. And yeah. you know what? You're watching a Deadpool movie. You're yeah. going to get what you expect. Exactly. And I felt the same way with uh, Bad Time, Bad Night at... Uh, bad Times at Bad El, Times at El, El Royale. Royale. I, man, that was a beautiful, beautiful place Wasn't they it? filmed. The sets were gorgeous. Yeah, the movie was fun and yeah. it moved along quickly. I really enjoyed it when I watched it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I felt like the director was strongly influenced by both the Coen Brothers and Quentin Tarantino yeah, in a good way, but taking good parts from both. Yeah, and yeah, it was totally enjoyable. I did not buy. Um, the guy that plays Thor as Charlie Manson. Yeah. Because he's like a golden retriever. <laughs> I don't know. He, he, he hit gross notes with me that really he was disgusted gross. me. He was gross. And, and hit me in ways that have been used against me. So it really upset me. And I thought okay. he channeled it pretty well. See, I didn't. I felt yeah. like it was just like a golden retriever. You're like, retriever. no! Not him! Like, yeah, he's gross <laughs> and a cult leader, but Dude. But it's still, it's a golden retriever. <laughs> He's a big... She's gonna come over and lick your face and ask you to throw a tennis ball any minute. <laughs> Did you have anything else? <coughs> nope. All right. <laughs> That's my observances on that. Of this, of this last couple of weeks. Okay, so I went and saw Ma in the theater, which... Ooh, how was it? Overall, in a very basic way, I liked it. It was well-acted. Um, especially by Octavia Spencer. Um, well, she knows her way around the stage. She really does. There are parts that I found kind of problematic, and it's a way that I really looked at it after attending um, the uh, People of Color, People of Color panel, panel. And it gave me new insight onto like representation of having like like the single person of color being an angry black woman. Right. And the um, other thing is that now that there are successful movies with African-American actors in them, mm -hmm. you're going to see a lot of people trying to jump on that train. Yeah. And they're, and shoehorn, yep. like, which is great. I'm all for color, for people podcasting where yeah. this role could have been played by white yep. people or whoever, and they just cast black people. That's awesome. But in some places... Yeah. It seems really heavy-handed and obvious. Yeah. Um, that movie, the, is it The Handyman? The one that just came out where the couple buy a house in the suburban neighborhood and the guy that used to own it won't give it up and he keeps coming over and mowing the lawns and he's creepy. Yes. Okay, now that you're... Now that that So that there's going to be bell. lots of B-horror with... Yeah. African-American people in it. And I'm for that because... Let's get some more jobs out there. Yeah, too. But at the same time, it doesn't mean that every movie we see that has an African-American cast is necessarily going to be a socially conscious film. Exactly. And and also part of the complaint with it is um, the director is the same director who wrote and directed The Help, or he just directed The Help, which again had Octavia Spencer in it, was really, you know... I did not like The Help. See, that is the problem. Is it... Uh, anyway, this is not... This this conversation would like be the better had. The Help was kind of a white guilt film. Yes, and there have been an awful lot of them lately of white apologist kind of like mm -hmm. uh, The Help, the the Green Book, and um, what was the other one that was just kind of shitty? Um, help, the Green Book, and. There have been a few. Yeah. Of them. Anyway, but um, uh, the oh oh, but it, it, no, because it had didn't have Sam Rockwell in it and Tarij, whose name I can't remember. Raji Hansen. I don't yes. know. Yes. And anyway, it was uh, back in the '60s, and they had this KKK leader and this um, woman who uh, was working in the civil rights, and how after a long time of fighting oh, against oh, each oh, other, it, uh, they actually became friends. Three billboards and, and no, that's a no, because I know Sam Rockwell plays a racist in that. <laughs> He's just... Oh, my God. I love Sam Rockwell. <laughs> so do I. By the way, the, his performance as Bob Fosse in Fosse Verdon... Is wonderful. ...was stunning. Oh, I want to watch that. And I that just boy can dance. Yes, he can. 
Uh, so anyway, I, I think that uh, the discussion of Ma is better done by someone who's not me. Um, but yes, I will say maybe. that it was, um, you know, a perfectly decent. I gave it like three stars. Um, perfectly decent horror movie. But I think we need to think about that. Uh, saw Rocket Man um, in Jen's documentary Corner. Uh, I watched Robin Williams uh, uh, Come Inside My Mind, which was amazing. So sad. Um, yeah, really, really sad. And it really makes you realize just how much I miss new media from him. Yeah. And how much humor he has brought to the entirety. Like, there has not been a time frame in my life other than right now that hasn't had him either creating pathos in it with an amazing role or making me laugh because yeah. I was a little tiny kid when Mork and Mindy came out and then he I immediately started like doing films. Like he has been a part of, there are actors who I will never meet in real life that I feel like I've grown up with. Yeah. And I've known exactly that. John Cusack when I was in high school, when I was in high school, because when I was in high school, that's when the John Cusack films were coming yep. out. And I will never meet him. I don't necessarily want to. I want to meet his sister. Yeah, she's awesome. Because <laughs> that's amazing. No, there. I mean, he's amazing, but the chances of me just meeting him and hanging out with him are slim to none. And, that's, and I'm sadly, fine with that. Sadly, on top of it, I've heard he's gotten kind of like bitter and angry and not really nice to meet in the last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, well, again. But at the same time, now he's a grumpy old man who I've known since he was a kid. <laughs> It's true. And it's weird because we have these <laughs> artificial relationships I know. with people that we will never meet. <laughs> um, in uh, Also in Documentary Corner, I watched Amazing Shadows, which is the documentary on the National Film Archives. I and have not watched that, and I should have. It's really good. Um, it's It was just touching, and the love that all of the people have that work with it and then mm -hmm. and what in the things that they've been shocked that they've been able to get on the registry and how they've worked really hard and like oh yeah it's just it's just a wonderful um it just it's it's people who love cinema and love it for everything that it's ever done and and wanting to um, I want to work there <laughs> I know you should <laughs> um speaking in um it's not a it's not a movie and it's not a documentary, but it is a thing that I have recently fallen in love with is a podcast. It's got a couple years in it called Movie Crush uh, with uh, Chuck Bryant is the guy's name. I've downloaded a bunch of them. I have not had time to listen to any of them. I have been on a big um, audible book kick for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. I, I've been reading like really, really light stuff. Um and then I read a whole bunch of nonfiction that was just kind of stressing me out. And the nice thing about Movie Crush is its entire premise is it's just this one guy who lives in Georgia and he knows just a bunch of people. Um, and because he kind of works a little bit in movies and a little bit in podcasting. Uh -huh. And he does. And he's like got a lot of comedians on the show. Yeah. Different people. Uh, he's had Paul F. Tompkins. Okay. Well, um, yeah. I haven't I, listened to the Paul F. Tompkins one. Yeah. So, but, but I love what, me some Paul he F. Tompkins. He is fucking wonderful and so what he asks each person that comes on is what is your favorite movie and he talks about the fact that there's a lot of pressure with that people and especially if you're going to be announcing it to the world like this is my favorite movie mm -hmm. there's um a lot of judgment about you know is the movie quality enough is it you know yeah and one of the wonderful things that i have really enjoyed is say paul f Tompkins. he was butch cassidy and the sundance kid and he'll watch the movie before he shows it with them right um and, and i don't like that movie but i like paul f Tompkins, so i'm absolutely gonna <laughs> listen to it what's funny is he had actually picked a different movie first but somebody had already picked it and if somebody's already picked it or they have it Already right, then recorded. You have, to choose a different one. you have to choose a different one. Ooh, what was his um, first pick? Oh, I guess gosh, I will have I to am, listen to the podcast. You if will I have, have to listen to it because I cannot remember. Um, they had Kevin Pollock on, and his was the In Laws, uh, the original. From, oh, I, I love think, the In Laws. Yeah, from like seventy seven. That movie is super fun. It's a movie you can put in kind of any time. Yeah, and it's it's a seller. No, not sellers. It's a, a Co um, Columbo. It's a with his glass eye, and it's Alan Arkin and Peter Falk. Peter Falk and Alan Arkin. Um, there was a remake that was not nearly as good. Uh, uh, but Douglas? Alan Arkin's 
overwrought paranoia and Peter Sellers as a no, hardened, uh, Peter Falk. Peter Falk as a hardened CIA agent and their children maybe, are getting maybe maybe not. maybe not. We don't know. But it's a lot of fun. And I haven't seen it, but it's it's wonderful. And um the other two that I thought were really interesting is they had uh Nate DeMio from uh the Memory Palace and uh they had Tig uh Tig Nataro. She did Tig. Mask. And what I loved is they've had everything from... Um, now, when you big... say mask, you don't mean the one with Jim Carrey. No, I mean uh, I just, Eric Stultz. I want to clarify that for our <laughs> listeners, Which they, not for myself. They laugh and, and joke about that, too. Yeah. But um, it's everything from, you know, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid to Mask to Big Trouble in Little China to Titanic. Uh, yeah. And it, even one guy was, like, talking about the Avengers, and he was mm-hmm. like... Oh, yeah. So, I, it's just so much fun. He... In, you know, it's yeah. everybody, there's, there's something so personal and, and, and telling the stories about when they watched it and what they love about it. And the host always watches it too. And he, you know, I'm only like mm-hmm. 12 episodes in and he's like, what am I going to do when I get to one where I like really hate the movie? He goes, what kind of conversation? I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> Cause it's just really interesting. Um, I only brought that up because, um, well, I, I've been wanting, I wanted to pimp it out because it's just, it's a happy, happy podcast to listen to and also because of the amazing shadows i thought it was really interesting yeah and right now happy things are good yes you need some happiness in your life listen to a positive podcast (laughs) uh speaking of happy uh jim and i have been laughing that we um saw the trailer for uh uncle drew in the theaters like a year and a half ago and and right, the first that, time we saw a basketball basketball movie oh that looks so bad it is so sweet well, and and actually fun, and we're actually talking about watching it with Tekla because there's nothing like really oh, good. gross or negative, and um, okay, it was just a fun, sweet movie. So if you're looking for a really light sports kind of comedy, it's really a delight, and it's really I sweet, and funny. <laughs> but some of you may be, in which case you may enjoy Uncle Drew. <laughs> uh, watched Godzilla, King of Monsters, Woo! and we Godzilla together punching, punching other monsters. Mothra? I mean, it was exactly what a Godzilla movie should be. I felt like it was. I feel it could have used a few less concerned... I felt like there needed to be a little bit less... The people's story is always negligible. And it was not. It was not wonderful. It was not up to the quality of the people they had in it. Lots of good uh, monsters punching each other, and I'm always in favor Exactly, knocking over buildings, and yeah, causing destruction. Um, My friend from Crypticon, Jason Weiss, who is the one who gave all of the Aussie, which he actually, the Aussie exploitation. Oh yeah. Yeah. That guy. What? Yeah. <laughs> it's all exploitation. exploitation. Okay. Um, he actually, uh, recommended cause he listened to a couple of the episodes that he was really enjoying the podcast. And, uh, he said that isn't all he likes. He does like a lot of other things and he has actually had a lot in that's common just, with stuff. That's just what he had to say at the con. Which yeah, is exactly. Fine. You have to limit yourself when you're on a panel with five <laughs> or six other people. But he recommended, uh, Dan Stevens in the apostle, which is kind of a take on. Oh, I the just Wicker saw Man. that. So I, I didn't like it that much. I, I wanted to like it. Same here, but it was too harrowing for me with with too little hope but it was well done but it, it was just too dire for me was was my take it was, on it yeah i wanted more from the nature goddess they were worshiping mm-hmm. yeah kind of the old women that they, yeah the old that woman they... i liked her but yeah overall i felt like the i mean i watched that movie and i realized two-thirds of the way through, I'd watched it before, so I just finished watching it. it. I had forgotten it. And in fact, until you mentioned it, I was like, wait, like the Wicker... Oh, that one! Yeah. It's not a... It just didn't stick in my brain for some reason. I thought it was... I will say I thought it was really well done, and I think there's a lot of people out there who will like it, but it was just... It was just not my bag. It was just a bit too mean for me. Yeah. Um, And speaking of just... Oh, but isn't the guy who plays the priest the same guy from Good Omens, which we both just watched and enjoyed? True. Oh, my God, that's not on my list. I completely forgot about that because I have a whole bunch of television. Um, But what I was... Okay, so I'm going to say for television, um, I finished Chernobyl, which was amazing. Uh, 
I finally got Jim to watch Band of Brothers, which I kind of wanted to watch because it D-Day uh-huh. um, just happened. It's one of those uh, series that I watch every yeah, couple of it's years. Not for me. Uh, Jim, Tecla, and I watched She-Ra, the new season that just dropped. And uh, we watched all of Good Omens, which was oh, just an absolute delight. Yeah, Good Omens was good. It wasn't as twee as other adaptations of Terry Pratchett have been. Um, yeah, I I have no complaints about it. Monty has complaints about it <laughs> because Does Monty he? has he's read that book so many times yeah. he's memorized it. Yeah. So for him, every time that they leave out a sentence, he's he recognizes it, and he still enjoyed Good Omens. Yeah. But every once in a while, he'd be like, <gasps> "I want more about the Four Horsemen or something." I'm like, "It's okay, honey. You still have the book." So um, my last movie that I'm going to mention is kind of a lead into what our theme is. So I, I just kind of, when I wrote it down, when I was looking for movies, I was like, pets gone wrong um, or pets gone bad. <laughs> Either way, um, a movie that I watched um, that fit the theme that I kept seeing trailers for that I thought was interesting uh-huh. was a movie called White God. Oh, yeah, with the, with with the, the dogs. mixed breed dogs about yeah. how they're taking it's pit bulls of, away from people. Yeah, and they... Um, it's filmed out of Hungary, and it was very beautiful, but for reasons that are very much due to my childhood, there's so much about it that I found really, really upsetting. And I read I read the, um, right. like the wiki there's on it. In it. There is abuse. It's just even just taking away her dog and, and leaving yeah, it somewhere. Right. And I grew up in a home where my animals were constantly threatened and sometimes killed. And so it was just very upsetting yeah. to me to have that threatened. And, and so, again, if, if um, abuse and um, an- potential animal violence is difficult for you, this won't be your movie. Um, I did skip through portions of it. And every time I stopped, it's just very lushly filmed. It's very beautiful. And they have, like, something like 257 dogs uh, in the film. Yeah. And the main and they're dog just running down the street after this. Yeah, it's beautiful. it's beautiful. It's epic. And the dog that they have is like the main dog character. Hagen is beautiful and expressive. And like the relationship between him and Lily, the girl is really beautiful. But it was just too upsetting for me. And I, I had to I, I, I only you saw couldn't take it. it. I couldn't yeah. take it. You know, b- the thing is, it's, it's something that we've talked about in the past that, you know, you're like, sometimes you're like, oh, why did you watch that? And it's like. Sometimes you have to realize when something's too much for you and, and stop it. And, and See, I it never do that. I've only done that once, and that was during something so horrible I dare not talk about it. Well, there we go. It was one of those... I dare not talk about it. I dare not talk about it. It was one of those Mondo films yeah. where they're just showing horrible things that have happened around the world. Yeah. And no thank you. Yeah. Mine... Mine is that I am two years in on a really good therapy dealing <laughs> with my trauma and PTSD. And one of the things that I am slowly learning how to do is actually be nice to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which means turning some of that stuff turn off. Turn that stuff off. If you, if you notice you're starting to get scarred, turn it off. Yeah, exactly. But no, I was on a binge. I you're was like, gonna I'm going to do this. I was going to watch. <laughs> I worked at a little tiny video store called Video Vertigo. <gasps> oh. And I was going to watch everything on that Mondo movie shelf if it killed me. And it, it nearly did. did. <laughs> oh, I still, you know what? I ran across a picture of us from the first Norwescon that I saw you at after Vertical Video closed, and oh, I didn't get I'm to so see you sad. all the time. And, but you. I was so happy. I know. Um, and I, you could just see the glee. You're like, yes, I'll hug you, Jen, because I'm like so gleeful because <laughs> I hadn't seen you in so long. So, yeah, that's our uh, theme for today is uh, Pets Gone Bad. And I let that be kind of loose because yeah, I wanted to have fun with this I just this wanted to do domestic animals or animals <laughs> that, have been, that have been attempted to be domesticated. I didn't yeah. want to do the wild in the streets where everybody, where all the animals in the zoo nope. take PCP and escape their cages. I will say that Although I, that's I, a fabulous I, stuck, movie. I stuck mostly that. I have one horror comedy that is kind of a little bit outside of that and I'm going to stand by it because I haven't talked about it in a while and okay. I rewatched it. So what's your first in Animals Gone Pets Gone Bad? Well, I've got so many things on this list. <laughs> um on a serious note, there's a French movie called Baxter. Baxter is a white like a bulldog, not like a pit bull, but the um Spuds McKenzie breed of bulldog. Okay. And he's mean. And you see, hear his thoughts throughout the movie. 
And finally, someone, a little boy finds him and gives him a home and loves him. And the little boy turns into a Nazi. And him and the dog are just going around committing horrible, horrible hate crimes. And it is just... Does the dog just have an aura of hate that just goes around him? No, no, the little kid's, the little kid is awful, too. (laughs) They were just drawn to each other. But as he and the dog, they kind of feed off each other's energy. And the kid grows up to be like this skinhead. And it's bleak. And it's violent, and I rented it because the box makes it look kind of like it's a cute dog movie. There was no warning or content labels on it. It was like it was like a different kind of talking dog movie, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm in. I'll watch it. <laughs> no, it's a really good movie, but it is not. I'm not even sure it's a horror movie. It's just bleak and sad and hard to watch. So if you dig that, but he's a cute dog. But he's a cute dog. Um, My next movie is. I also have some movies that are lighter. I just wanted to start with that because it's at the top of the list, probably because it starts with a B. I'm going to interject really quickly, um, just because we, uh, Jim and I, went and saw the new Pet Cemetery pretty recently. Hmm? I knew you were going to mention that because Monty's like, do you have Pet Cemetery on your list? And I'm like, no, I know Jen does. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what I did, though, is uh, I had things that I didn't didn't like about the new Pet Cemetery. I watched the old Pet Cemetery because I haven't seen it probably since it came out. Right. And suddenly I find myself having a little less issue with the kind of dire end of the remake. And it, it very it, it differs a little bit in how it ends. Um and Jim had kind of made a point of like why he appreciated the ending. And uh I'm I'm kind of seeing his point now. Uh see uh, I have not seen it yet, but you and I differ on movie endings. You really didn't like the ending of The Mist. And for me it's one of my favorite horror movie endings yeah. ever. So Yeah. Um most of my issues with the new pet cemetery is I really disliked a lot of the character choices for the dad. Um, it just kind of mm. consistently put me out of the film. You just um, did not like the character, the, the I didn't, actor or I kind of didn't like the actor, but I more so didn't like the way he like, sometimes it was just a choice on how he did a line that made him sound a little more snide Mm. And maybe a little less dad-like. Okay, so and, he sounded, yeah. And and it it just, and even like his relationship with the neighbor, the old man neighbor, um, I came across with a lot more appreciation um, watching, uh, what is it, Glenn, um, Gwen, uh, the Munsters, uh, Gwen. Uh, oh, oh, Pete, God damn it, Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn. Watching Fred Gwynn's and then watching... Um, God damn it. Uh, the new Lithgow. guy. John Lithgow's performance. Oh, John Lithgow's um, playing that character yeah. in the remake? Oh, and yeah. you know what? I mean, they're very, he, he very specifically, um, I think he didn't, he knew Fred Gwynn. And yeah. so he, he, and he came in one night and did like, a, like that main accent just to show he could mm-hmm. and to say, I'm not going to use that accent. Um and I don't know, it's just watching it, it ma- almost made me like the new one a little bit more, appreciating, like, the choices that it made. But also, there's, I, it really backed up some of the stuff that I, I didn't like, or I felt like they just really missed uh, the point with the uh, the new one. Uh, a lot of it dealing with um, the, uh, the accident victim and their part in trying to warn the family off past Victor Pascal, who gets hit by a car, gets hit by a truck. The baby? And, no, no, you no. You mean no. the child? No, I mean that the, there's an accident victim that his dad tries to save. Oh, and he's okay. The, he warns him over and right, over right. again that the ground has gone sour. And you do and not want like, to do this because it's not going to work. Yeah. yeah, and he's like, I'm doing this because you tried to help me. And I really disliked how they used the character in the remake um, and, and you see how much better they use him in the original. So, I mean, I was really worried that the older version wouldn't hold up at all. And I found myself still really liking it. Um, and it, you know, it made me appreciate a couple of things more about the, the remake that was done. Um, and so that was my takeaway on uh, giving... Giving the See, I wasn't sure if I should put Pet Cemetery on my list because one, I knew you were going to talk about it, and also because I don't feel like it's a movie about a bad pet. I feel like a bad pet is an extra character. Mm. But 
Yeah. It does have pet in the title, so well, church, it passes. Church has a big part, in, um, and he's a perfectly yeah. loving cat before he passes and uh, becomes really part of the terror after he comes back. Listeners, in addition to not reading the Latin, don't try to bring things back from the dead. It never works it right. It really doesn't. Never <laughs> works right. Just let it. You have to let it go. Go get a hug and some therapy. And just move on with your life. Yeah. I mean, I know it really sucks to lose someone you love. And your pets. But it sucks more to lose them twice because they've turned into a flesh-eating zombie. And then you have to kill them. Yeah. That's just trauma <laughs> trauma on top of trauma. Watches like the sympathy oozes from me as I'm laughing. All right. So next next for you. Um, I've got a couple of reptiles. I'm very fond of two movies, which are basically the same movie. <laughs> one is called Alligator, and one is called Lake Placid. Aww. In Alligator, the titular character is an alligator named Ramon, who was flushed down a toilet and grew up in the sewers to become... I don't know how big he is. As big as a car, at least. He's a giant <laughs> alligator who comes up out of the sewers and eats people while they're... While they're running around, I, I and it's a—I've seen it. It's pre CGI, <laughs> so it's a big puppet alligator, and I kind of—I—I I love it. You love it. Mm -hmm. It's one of those movies when they used to have the late night movie, and I would stay up far too late when I was far too. This is all like pre ten, right? And yeah, I would yeah. Stay it's up one of those. Late that's night when I saw It's Alive and, mm -hmm. and Kiss, The Phantom of the Park, and that was when I saw Alligator. alligator. So and I, I like Alligator, and also. I like, if we're going with alligators, I like Lake Placid because who doesn't want to be an alligator who gets fed regularly by Betty White? I know, She's really. delightful. She is delightful. I mean, yes. <laughs> I felt like she treated those alligators very well and that much of the blame in the movie was placed on her and shouldn't have been. That's true. Um, I'm going to go with very horror light, but just because it delights me, uh, Frank and Weenie, um, the oh. children's movie, uh, with Tim, directed by Tim Burton. I think it loves playing with a whole bunch of the tropes. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's one of the last really delightful Tim Burton movies that there was because he's kind of Tim Burton has in the bed lately <laughs> shifted. Well, I've never been a huge fan of the forced whimsy of Tim Burton. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I do like that. I really like um, the other animated one, um, Vincent. Oh, yes. That's usually a special feature on the disc with uh, Frank and Weenie. I like both of them. They're very sweet. Yeah. Uh, off to you. Um, well, I think we probably have to talk about Cujo. I... <laughs> I wanted to rewatch Cujo and I haven't. Have you watched it any time recently? Not too recently. Okay. So what but... I do remember from it is loving the family dynamic. They put so much in there uh -huh. so quickly um, between the, the mother and the son. The mother and the so son. So that you the, really the feel it the when they're trapped in the car. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the book has a lot of story. Uh, some of the chapters are told from the dog's point of view. Mm -hmm. And that's really sad because he's a good dog and he's sweet and you just He's see just getting sicker and him sicker. Him getting sicker and sicker and through confused. the book and confused and he doesn't know. And for me... That's heartbreaking. I, I loved that because that yeah. was that was heartbreaking because you it made the monster less of a monster but no less monstrous, mm -hmm. um, which is what I liked about that. I, and I like the movie. That poor gross old dog. Yeah, <laughs> they had to spray him down with so much hairspray and goo and mud. Yeah, and it's it's an honestly traumatizing movie that I think it is. Up. Um, it's been it's been a good decade since I've watched it. Um, one thing that I can't remember if I brought up in the in the Crypticon episode, but I went to the D. Wallace panel, which she is just this beautiful, delightful woman. <laughs> but my favorite part of the entire panel was, oh wait, I have to get in position to tell you this story. And she lays on the floor and she talks about they had a real dog that they put on her. Mm -hmm. But 
they had to sedate him because of oh, how like, she was going to be fighting with him. So he's this enormous yeah, those things Saint Bernard. Like a couple hundred yeah, pounds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, then, got, and at, they're at, so slobbery. Even at their best, slobbery. they are so gross and slobbery. slobbery. So, I mean, at best, the dog's going to be like 125 pounds, if not more. <laughs> and so she's talking, she's laying on the floor, and she goes, and I have to keep, like, bench-pressing him and wiggling him to give an attack. Oh, that poor dog. And... <laughs> <laughs> so I just got to see her laying on the floor, miming bench pressing a sedated, yeah. pound sedated dog. And it was really the delight of my entire Crypticon. It oh, was good. The, it was the best thing ever. Um, so yeah, I am looking yeah. for it. I wish I kind of wish I'd fit it in, but I fit in a bunch of other stuff. I so. really tried to go with animals that weren't dogs or cats. Yeah. As much as possible, just because I know we're going to have a lot of dogs and cats. So... Because dogs are the big... Dogs are very popular creatures for horror films. I am going to go a completely different direction, and I am going to say Fido, which is the story of a boy and his dog, except his dog, dog is, a is a zombie, played by Billy Connolly. And it is... I do not like that many horror comedies, and this one, I it might... It, its only redeeming factor might be that that fucking zombie is Billy Connolly, but really that's all it needs. Apparently, I'm sold, Billy Connolly. <laughs> but it's all right. funny and sweet. And I've heard that about it. I have not watched it. It's it's really charming. Basically, I think, I think his zombie Fido gets off of his leash, and I believe attacks and if not perhaps eats someone. So he tries to sneak him off somewhere. Um, and his relationship with his father is terrible and his, um, his mom is very sweet and it's just kind of, it's kind of the family story and, and the relationship with the zombie and there's other zombies cause everybody has one and it's just such a weird little interesting yeah. take, but I, I was so excited. You're like, I'm going to try to go a different oh direction. And I'm like, no, okay. I've got a different boy and his dog story. I was so excited. <laughs> So off to you, and you're not a dog or um, cat. <laughs> let's see. Also going to go with Willard and Ben. I have not. I have had pet rats, and I love them dearly. And every time I see a movie with a rat in it, I'm always like, oh, he's so cute. And I know they're supposed to be scary. And they are sweet. They're The ones I have had have been sweet. I'm sure that wild feral rats are, are scary. But the swarms. ones I have known in my life, I've seen swarms of them in Seattle. That's, that's terrifying. Mm. And, and, and um, also the... the we got the, lots of new construction in our city. Yeah. So if you're walking past the a certain alley at a certain time of night, it is likely that you may look down it and see it swarming carpet, with rats. A carpet and it of is rats. The other thing not that cute. freaks me out is uh, the king rat, where the cat... They oh, the rat out, king, where their tails all tangled okay, together? And, oh, there is actually, there is a uh, dungeon in Diablo, Diablo 3. Oh, that has a rat king in it? Yeah, and, and they're really deadly. Like, they like they swarm up, and, and they're, like, pretty lethal. <laughs> in real life, and, they're not that lethal. They generally <laughs> starve to death because they can't go they out can't, and hunt. They yeah, can't go out and they're find all food. Yeah. fighting for different directions. But, like, the imagery of it. So every time, like, I'm in that, I'm just like, oh, because I'm getting so anxious because oh the God, imagery of it grosses up. me out. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> but I've never seen either of those, and I want to. Um, the remake of Willard with Crispin Glover in it mm -hmm. is surprisingly good. Okay. Because Crispin Glover's very good at being unsettling. Yes, he is. That's what he has built his career on and possibly his real life. I'm not sure. <laughs> I haven't met him. I don't know. I like, and I really like the actor that's in the first one and whose name I yeah. normally be able to yeah, toss yeah. right off. But he's also in Lords of Salem and he's in a bunch of other, he's a, oh. he's a big character actor. Okay. Um, do 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 do. I rewatched Cat's Eye, which I they released like a new Blu ray of it that they cleaned it up and made it look really, really nice. Which it's from 1985, and it's very, very, very 1985. But here is what I will say for it is that each it's only got three stories in it, each of the stories is good, each of the stories uh -huh. is entertaining. Um, and I personally feel that there are really not that many anthology stories. Are any of the stories about a good pet that has gone bad? Yeah, there is. The whole story is about a, a cat. Well, it's, I guess it's not 
kind of gone bad. Well, they worry that the cat is gone because the cat weaves through all of the stories. Right. And the final story is that the cat uh, keeps going in. And the, the woman's mother warned her that cats will steal children's breath. Oh, they will. And so she's terrified of letting her in her room because something is giving her daughter nightmares. Um, and so she's worrying the entire time. And they oh, kills, it's that like, troll, isn't it? And it's the troll. And the cat protects her from the troll. So it's not really gone bad, but I liked it because there was a worry that the cat had gone bad. Um, it's got the... Uh, oh, yes, there is an animal that went bad, except it's not a pet. Never mind. That's okay. I'm it's, just being It's jerk. slightly off topic, but I don't care. I rewatched it and I was really surprised. Where it's cheesy, it's like super duper cheesy, but... Again, there are really not that many anthologies where each story is actually pretty decent. There's always well, like a poopy one in there that is just kind of like, ugh, you just have to get through it. Like even Creepshow. There aren't too many evil cat movies, really. There's the Pet Cemetery Cat. Mm-hmm. There's the one you were just talking about. Um, I guess there's the Black Cat in the Edgar Allan Poe thing, but mm-hmm. actually he was a victim. There's the Houseu cat. The Houseu cat. Not (laughs) sure if he's evil or just weird. Yeah. Uh, There's Corpse Grinders. I may have talked about Corpse Grinders before. No, I am unfamiliar Um, with Corpse Corpse Grinders. Corpse Grinders is a really bad, schlocky, probably 50s, 60s horror film. And you would think from the title that the horror of this movie is that people are grinding up corpses. But no. <laughs> what the movie is actually about is that all of the ground up corpses are being put into cat food, and now all of the domestic cats have an appetite for human flesh. Human flesh. Max, do you have an appetite for human flesh? Uh, it is super low budget. The corpse grinding machine is, in fact, a cardboard box. <laughs> it's very obviously a cardboard <laughs> box. All the money um, was spent on all the cat training. <laughs> It was probably spent on treating people for the, for medical bills after the cat scratched them because a lot of it is clearly cats being thrown in from off camera <laughs> against their cats. wills and the cats are like, what? <laughs> what? That was always one of my favorite things with, I think, um, the the cat... Was it the cat woman? No, the cat lady. The yeah, there's with it. and and bunches of movies. The, the Luton, Val Luton. Yeah, and, and of the cats of the like cat no. people, and and they they throw it in as a panther, but it's you can just tell it's just a regular cat, and they're like wow. Yep, <laughs> they do that a lot in movies with rats, like Willard and Ben. You'll see somebody gently tossing. You see the rats flying <laughs> through the air, and I'm like, I know a rat can't jump that high. And my Little pet rat, rat loved more than anything if I would throw him. Through the air, <laughs> I would like sit He's at the foot of the devil. bed, and I would toss him up, up, and so he'd land on the pillows at the head of the bed, mm-hmm. and he would race back down and jump into my hands oh. and want me to throw him again. He was again, the sweetest no. little rat. His name again. was his name was Renfield. Oh, that's a good name. <laughs> so is? there's a story about my pets. Uh, what do you think of Audrey Two? Audrey Two is a plant, but technically kind of treated like a pet. I think you're right, and I love. Yes. Little Shop of Horrors, absolutely a pet gone bad. I really want to show that to Tekla because I'm not that much older. She's not that much younger than I was she when it came out. She that movie. It's musical. It's charming. Her. I want her to love it, but I'm. it's one of those that I'm almost afraid to show it to her because I don't think I can handle her not liking it. <laughs> so I'm just going to keep it for me. She will like it. I promise. <laughs> We will we'll peer pressure her into liking it is what we'll do. <laughs> yes. Um, I've got a couple of movies where the villains are monkeys. Ooh. Uh, the Mafu Cage is a weird, almost a giallo pacing of a, of a murder mystery film, which is about two sisters, and there's a primate research laboratory... One of the sisters, I think, is a scientist, and the other sister is Carol Kane. And Carol Kane has this really close relationship with this orangutan. And it's kind of a murders in the Rue Morgue thing. Like, is this, is she telling this monkey to kill people? What are these murders about? It's like a thriller, murder mystery, weirdness. Highly, highly recommended. Oh. Um, just very strange all around. So, 
my one where I was, it's only loosely a pet because it's a farm animal they have is I have always loved the movie uh, Black Sheep. Um, and I actually rewatched it in time for this and I still, it is, it is a ridiculous, I, I'm pretty sure it's an Australian film. It might be New Zealand. I think it's New Zealand Zealand? actually, but yeah, yeah, I seem to remember reading that it was. So the movie starts out. Jen, you're always talking about how much you don't like comedies. And then every time you do a podcast, you're talking about all these comedies you like. It's awesome. I lie. I lie, lie, lie. And so it has these two brothers and they live on a sheep farm. And the one brother is just kind of fucking awful. And he actually kills one of the sheep and then traumatizes his brother with like the body afterward. And the boy becomes horribly phobic of sheep and so he leaves the farm and is terrified of them and mm. leaves his and leaves his brother uh to run the sheep farm after his father dies and has to come back and get his part of i guess the inheritance but the um the brother's been doing some stuff wrong with the sheep and has been genetically messing with them have i seen that i know i have seen a movie in which the sheep are all genetically messed up, but uh-huh. I don't remember it being I a comedy. I can't imagine there's very many of them. There's a couple. <laughs> well, and there's <clears throat> these kind of um, uh, PETA. Is, yeah, PETA's the yeah, animal, yeah. right? So there's like these two PETA people, like ask PETA people, that show up to like fight at the farm and release the poor sheep. And, but they're um, all carnivorous sheep. And they are, they are, yes. And I have not seen that. But <laughs> I know I have seen another movie with genetically modified sheep that were all messed up, but it was not a comedy. I can't imagine. I can't, uh, well, <laughs> well, this one's good and it is a comedy. Maybe I just I, saw this one and I don't have a sense of humor. I do. <laughs> I was like, wait, that was a comedy? That was terrible. I thought it was a drama. <laughs> My favorite, though, is when he looks at his brother and he goes, you've got some strange ideas about animal husbandry. <laughs> so now back to you. <laughs> um, I've got a few more. Okay, I've um, only got one this more. This one is kind of a family-friendly movie, but man, and that is called Babe Pig in the City. <laughs> On our horror movie podcast. No, it. have you seen it? I have. They go to an animal testing lab and they're all going to be killed. How is that not horror? It's true. The little chihuahua says, my people put me in a bag and throwed me in a river. How is that not horrible? I can't even imagine that. I love you so much. (laughs) See, I really, really love animals and that movie is... Upsetting. Very upsetting. And it's not just because of the terrifying, creepy clown in it, which I will not talk about. But there is a terrifying clown in that movie. And yet it's so beautifully, it's like City of Lost Children in its gorgeousness. It's really funny. But it's so messed up. I I remember watching it like before Tekla was born and then trying to put it in a couple of times thinking she would like it. And she was, she was like, uh uh-uh, big thumbs down, like right away. She was like, I I I didn't see that movie when I was a kid. (laughs) That would have messed me up. And uh, so, are, do you have? I only more? have I only have one left. Okay, let's do your last one, and then we'll talk about my last one. So I have uh, George Romero's nineteen eighty eight film Monkey Shines. Oh, that was up there. I meant to mention it with Mafu Cage. <laughs> so, do tell me about your Monkey Shines. I I really enjoyed Monkey Shines because I watched it being aware of who George Romero was. I was aware of Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. um, and if I think it might have been based on a book and i think i, I even re- for some reason i think it's stephen king but yeah. that's because i'm thinking of that story in the stephen king thing about the clapping monkey with yeah. the symbols which might also be called monkey shines but Could is be. not related to the movie so i seem to remember reading something about it or who knows i maybe maybe just remember reading about it in fangoria before it came out so i didn't have these huge expectations on on how good this had to be being from George Romero. Right. And so it is about this quadriplegic man who they get him um, a helper monkey that's the, I think they're called Capuchin. It's a Capuchin monkey. Its name is 
Elise, Elise, I think, or Perhaps. Lisa. Elise, I think. And um, they genetically modify it to be just a little bit smarter. And things start going really wrong when the monkey itself becomes very possessive of him. Right. It's almost like a stalker movie. It really is. And anyone a that tries movie. to get close to him, the monkey kills, kills. In, some, in some nefarious monkey way. And, you know, in the grand scheme of like, you know, horror masters, this might not be the best movie that was ever made, but. I remember when I watched it, it's very tense and it is a stalker movie and there's a fear in watching somebody who you know has very limited mobility and it was just but the very tense. Is just trying to protect him. And he just loves him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and anyway, but yeah. I, I found it really and I mean, upsetting. We've, we've all met people who have dogs that are overprotective. Mm-hmm. And yeah. But yeah, when you amp up the intelligence and when give you, it thumbs, it's yeah. much scarier. Yeah, genetic genetic enhancement not always a good thing. Nope. <laughs> it's like bringing it back to life. Maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> so my last movie, I don't think was intended to be a horror movie, but it turned out that way. It's a movie called Roar. It stars Tippi Hedren and somehow I believe her husband convinced them that it would be great to make a movie about lions called, I think it was going to be called A Lion in the House. Mm-hmm. I've heard about this. And but... they brought in a lot of lions, like yeah. 25 lions, and let them run through the house, on the property, and like the number of injuries of crew that were yeah. mauled or killed is astronomical. It's like those movies where they're like, no animals were injured. But in this movie, like, the no, humans lots were of people, fucked up. Lots of people were injured. People lost limbs. And a lot of it's right there on the film. And you're watching it. And even in the parts that are supposed to be the lighter, funnier parts, where their house is full of lions, you're like, your house is full of lions. Like, let's, not, they are, let's not laugh. You should be running now. Yeah. I'm like, you should not. This is not a fun, a funny film. And the whole time you're watching it, even in the beginning parts where it's supposed to be light and la, lion in the house, la, la. It is terrifying because this whole time you're like, I don't even know if these lions are trained. They are going to hurt you. <laughs> and isn't Meg Ryan, who's to be Hedron's daughter? Is it Meg Ryan? No, it's uh, the uh, one who is married to, uh, no, let me, let me look it up because I'm terrible. You're right. She, I, it, I know who it is. I, I, I want to say, no, it's not Melanie Griffith. It's, uh, it is Melanie Griffith. Is it Melanie Griffith? Melanie Griffith, okay. I believe, still has facial scars from being attacked by one of the lions. There's like a life photo shoot of her with this lion running around the house when she's like Wow, when you Google 13. Tippi Hedren, it comes up Tippi Hedren lion was one of my options. Yeah, she ended up making a lion doing a big cat rescue and reserve, which is still running today. today? That has a lot of lions and other big cats in it, but they're not in the living room. Yeah. You know, they're being taken care of because that is not where they should be. You get to have tiny lions. But yeah, it's a, it's a really hard, (laughs) it's an interesting movie, but it is hard to watch because it's just, there's so many of them and they're so big and they're running around and they're fighting among themselves. And you're like, this is not a place a person should be trying to act or anything. Yeah, it's it's got a big cult following because I think they either oh, yeah. did a re-release a couple of years ago. Yeah, it's been re-released, and um, although not technically a horror movie, one of the scariest horror movies to watch because you know it's real and that a lot of people yeah. were really hurt, and you're just waiting every second you're looking at the screen, waiting for something bad to happen. <laughs> so uh, that's probably my pets last Pets Gone, gone Bad movie. Bad. Uh, we did not mention Gremlins because we figured everyone knows about Gremlins. Do you like Gremlins? Because I kind of don't. I find it too mean of a movie. Though, you know, it's it's funny because everybody watched it so young because it was presented as yeah. really a children's movie. I don't um, hate Gremlins. I'm not a huge Gremlins fan. Gizmo's so adorable. Like, like the, the, the Gremlin before things go horribly wrong is so fucking adorable. <laughs> but as a whole, I just, just the movie just never worked for me. Nah. Which people, is why they, I didn't bring it up, because I don't like bringing up movies that I have bad things to say about. Yeah, I don't really like movies where people can't follow simple directions. 
Was that movie? I know. That movie, Don't get it wet. Is it the toy? Where these? There's not the toy, but it's no, the doll. The doll. They her tell only, her. They tell her all you have to do is treat this doll like a live child. Put him to bed at night. Be nice to him. Read to serve him. Serve him tea. Yeah. Read him. Read him books, and you get to stay in this awesome giant house and get paid. And get paid to do it. You get paid. And I'm like, this is the best job. And, and she, she messes it up. it up. And shit goes wrong. And, and she deserves wrong. it. And actually, it's a really good twist ending, it that did. movie. <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. But I really, I liked that movie, but I just, I hate when people in movies can't follow oh, simple, simple directions. directions. <laughs> it's just, I it's gave just you a trope I do not care a for. A simple direction. And Don't you feed him it. after midnight. Yeah. Don't get him wet. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys in two weeks. Thanks. Bye. Don't Read the Latin can be found at don'treadthelatin.com, on Twitter at DRTL Podcast, on Tumblr, or at facebook.com slash don'treadthelatin. Please rate us on iTunes and tell your friends and thieves about us. We're dying to meet them. <laughs>